This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. In fact, this is the only Best of Fight Back show this weekend since we played all Christmas music yesterday here on Zoomer Radio. We hope you enjoyed Christmas Day along with us. Your Christmas may have been a lot different than the original plan before the Omicron variant of COVID-19 arrived in Ontario. Many of us adapted to the new guidance of keeping gatherings inside small or better yet, outside or virtual. That was the focus of Libby's discussion with the Zoomer squad this past Monday. What are you doing for Christmas and have you changed your holiday plans? John Wright is Executive Vice President of Maru Public Opinion. David Kravitz is Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media. And Bill Van Gorder is Chief Policy and Chief Operating Officer at CARP, a new vision of aging. Yes, we have adjusted our uh, plans, and most of our friends have two uh, very uh, uh, deflating uh, for many people and the topic of conversation among uh, older Canadians these days. David, did you have plans that you cancelled? We're very modest uh, to begin with. We were going to have uh, Christmas Eve dinner um, with what would have been a total of seven uh, people, including our household, and now it's going to be five. One, one my sister and her husband aren't coming, but... Um, you know, we, we weren't going to any big parties. We were going to stay in and keep it small, and it's still going to be small. John Wright, uh, you have your pulse on these things. I think we have uh, two things to report from this household. Number one is that uh, we actually have a case of COVID inside of our house as of Monday. Wow. A university student brought it back from Halifax. St. of X had a big uh, ring ceremony where 2,000 people showed up uh, a week or so ago. He goes to Dalhousie, but we noticed on Tuesday after he arrived that he had a bit of a upper airway croak, but and when tested, he tested positive, and he's been in the basement uh, since. But it hit like a freight train. I got to tell you, um, he is double vaxxed, and this temperature um, went to about 105 and a half. Oh my goodness! Over the course of about eight hours, and then it slackened off and left him you know, uh, with a fever until it normalized yesterday. So that's, what, four and a half, five days of a fever, achy bones, everything else. And he seems to have regained his appetite. But, I mean, we're talking about a six-foot-two, incredibly healthy individual um, who who just knocked the stuff in the We uh, self, you know, we isolated in the upper half of the house, and we're fine. I mean, there's no symptoms or anything else, and we'll go get tested. But what that's led in our house to do is, we were going to go and visit uh, Grandma and Grandpa up in the Ottawa Valley, and that's now gone. <clears throat> and we probably will be tested on Friday, so we'll find out where we are there. Across the country, as you can see, people, based on the polling that we did last week and some of the pieces that we've put out, uh, that have been put out by others this week, is that they're being, you know, roughly four in ten people are going about doing what they 
thought they could or should be doing right now. Um, but I think that what's different about this is people are much more cautious because like the last wave, different from the last wave where it seemed to be people other than your own family getting it, this is very democratized. I mean, we've not only got it in our family, but there are friends whose kids have it and parents who have come down with it. There are workmates who have suddenly come down with it. So the difference between the last go-around and this one is that it's literally moved from somebody that you might hear about to somebody that you know. And I think we can probably count on our fingers probably seven or eight people that we're aware of who have it in our own circle, whereas the last time we didn't know anybody. So this is here. It's real. If you're not vaccinated, I mean, all I can do is turn and say that I'm not sure I would have been able to sustain 105 and a half degree temperature for that period of time. And it's something we all have to be very concerned about. David. The rational thing to do is get every form of protection that you can. There's no reason not to. And then within that context, to try to find your way through in your individual circumstances to as close to normal or as satisfying an experience as you can have uh, over the holiday. And you try to do the best of both, I think. Okay, Bill? Uh, this uh, this really has uh, brought and 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 uh, uh, increased the problem of isolation. This new situation now uh, with your older friends and loved ones. Make sure if you're not seeing them by person, you're reaching out by phone and any other way you you can to prevent this from being a very unhappy uh, Christmas for a lot of our uh, older Canadians across across the province. Bill Van Gorder, Chief Policy and Chief Operating Officer at CARP. David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media. And John Wright, Executive Vice President of Maru Public Opinion. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. So why is Omicron so transmissible? And is there any validity to the thought that it is less virulent or at least that it's less virulent because most of the people getting it have mild symptoms, possibly because they're already vaccinated against COVID-19. And what about the new capacity limits in Ontario? Will that help keep Omicron in check? Then there are the businesses, especially restaurant owners already devastated by capacity limits and lockdowns through the pandemic. Libby spoke about the issues with Court Des Hotel of the neighborhood group of companies, which operates four restaurants in Guelph and one in Kitchener, and James Rylett, vice president at Restaurant Canada. But first, epidemiologist Dr. Timothy Sly, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University, with his analysis of the Omicron variant. It just does what uh, what COVID has done from the beginning, only much, much more effectively. Uh, it has master keys, if you like, to get into the cells in our body that work even without it changing its stride. It's, it works so much better. And, and it invades our mucous membrane, the nose and throat and so on, uh, much more effectively so that you breathe out more virus as well. This is the, I, if you'd asked me this about uh, six months ago, I'd said we, there's no way we could see a, a variant that could spread this rapidly. It's absolutely astonishing. The doubling time now is less than three days. I think the last measure, the last 12 hours is about 2.7 days. It, it doubles. 
this is why it's shooting up astronomically. James Rylette, um what do you make of this uh, change in capacity limits? What's your reaction to it? Well, I guess we expected it. Uh, we're disappointed that it happened. Um, you know, restaurants were just starting to uh, feel like they had some uh, wind behind their, their sails, and uh, um, then this comes and takes it all away. Uh, this is a busy time of, of year for the restaurant industry, and it's it's a bad time to be have any restrictions on it. Um, as we've always said, we're willing to do what the government uh, um, decides is the best best to do, but... Um, you know, it, it, it's difficult when you look at the numbers, and, and it seems like all the outbreaks are everywhere but restaurants, and uh, yet we are the first to pay the price. So, um, I guess we'll we'll accept it, but uh, we'll we'll hope the government uh, comes through with some support, and we'll be able to move on. Uh, Court, what about your restaurants? Uh, you've had to cut capacity. Beyond that, have you had cancellations? Oh yes, we've had lots and lots of cancellations. It's, it, it just it, our path follows whatever's going on in the media. So the more discussions there are, especially about the Omicron new variant that's coming out, we started to see you know as far as you know three weeks to uh, to a month ago uh, cancellations, especially a lot of group bookings. So it all depends on company policies and and how they view um, you know the safety of their of their team members, which is which is great. And so we saw a lot of corporate bookings uh, reducing um, their numbers or completely canceling their uh, reservations, which mm-hmm. has been pretty devastating because it's our this is our busiest time of the year, and this is what gets us through the winter. So it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Doctor Sly, will these new restrictions stop the spread? Is it enough? It's it's a compromise, Libby. In theory, if you go to one extreme and you say, let there be that that dreaded lockdown, the thing we experienced uh, last year, you know, where, where everybody is inside their basement, the doors bolted and nailed shut, nobody gets out for two weeks. Under those conditions, you can never achieve it. But in those conditions, you could actually see the virus die off. It would just disappear. Do it for for a two do it for a, like a two week incubation period, and it would have nowhere to go. But of course, we can't do that. So I think the idea of the lockdown is probably the very very last possibility. So until then, let's try and control it. Let's but let's try not stopping the vehicle, but slowing it down as with the brake as much as possible. And that's where the mitigation comes in. We're in a much better position than we were last Christmas because we didn't have any vaccines that really into arms at all by this time last year. So we've got that as a bit of a background. But the virus is, is calling the shots here. I can't imagine a worse time. If you said, what's, what time of the year should we, should we start a new wave of the pandemic? We'd say, well, it should be exactly two weeks before Christmas when all the restaurants are ready to go. They're Booking lists are all full and so on. That's when you release it. I mean, can you imagine a more diabolical time for the virus to move? Epidemiologist Dr. Tim Sly, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University, along with James Rylett at Restaurants Canada and Court Des Hotel with the Neighborhood Group of Companies. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break, all I want for Christmas is a booster and a rapid test kit. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The timing could not have been worse. Just a week before Christmas, the quick spread of Omicron forced new restrictions in Ontario, primarily the reinstituting of 50% capacity in retail, restaurants, gyms, theaters, and sports venues. On Tuesday, before Ontario's Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kieran Moore, held an afternoon update, Libby was joined by the strategy panel to discuss whether there would be a need for further restrictions and about the Hunger Games scenario for people trying to book their third-shot boosters or get their hands on those free rapid antigen tests. John Capobianco is Senior Vice President and Senior Partner at Fleischman Hillard High Road. Charles Souza is a former Liberal Ontario Finance Minister. And Karen Stintz is CEO at Variety Village. There's a couple things in the communication department that I hope get clarified in today's announcement. And, uh, you know, one is the fact that um, the, the spread that we're seeing is on is, is within the vaccinated community because, we're you know, Vaccinated people, the ones that are out at the bars, we're out at the gyms, we're out at the nightclubs, we're, we're the ones that are out and about. So we're the ones that are, I say we because I'm vaccinated, you know, it's the vaccinated ones that are spreading it. So I, I think there has to be some communication around, again, who, who gets tested and when you, if you think you've been exposed, because the testing places are now under pressure because so many people are being exposed and then they're being told to go get tested and yet it, it kind of was, what is, what's the point of that? And how do vaccinated people continue to spread this? And you know, it, are they spreading it at the same rate as unvaccinated people? There's that piece that has to, I think that some clarity needs to be brought around that one. I, I think that there has to be a little bit of, um, of, of to your point, it's the Hunger Games right now. There has to be a bit of more rationale and a bit more of a process by which you actually get the people who need the booster shots, the booster shots first. What the test kit should be used for is to make sure that there's a strategy to keep the kids in school. So if they have to hoard every single test kit from here on in so that come January, kids can go back to school and those test kits are being used on the kids, that's what they should be doing. Charles Souza, you know, this is the same kind of issue that cropped up. I mean, I know this is new. No one expected it, but it's the same kind of issue that's come up with, you know, the other waves. And so are they sort of messing this up? It's exhausting. I mean, um, and I would argue with John on this one too, John. I mean, he was slow off the start because he was appealing to anti-vaxxers at the very beginning. There was concern. And, And then now we're in a position where he's very much in favor of doing so. But why is it that we don't have it in place? My son just arrived from Ireland two, three days ago. He's been away for two years. He's had access to rapid tests and, and materials for free for a while now. You, you've got to have this, this, this access, an expanded access to these issues um, in order to, be have, to have more efficient distribution as a test option. And there's got to be much more clear and direct communications around these issues, especially to the 2 million kids that are wondering what they're going to do next in school and, and their teachers, and for that matter, nurses and others. I find it all very... Um, odd that we're in a desperation mode when so much was already clear months before. 
John, well, I mean, uh, the others are basically saying, you know, this this provincial government, they still haven't got it quite right. Well, I'm assuming you disagree. I, I totally disagree. I, I think at the end of the day, you know what, governments uh, are trying to do what they can. They learn from their mistakes in the past without a, without a doubt. And, and look, you know what, Premier Ford can only give out as many rapid tests as, he's, as he gets from the federal government. There's, there's only so many you can get, get in the LCBO. You're going to have people that are going to go there and hoard you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, lines of people that are going to—they're going to be sold. Like I remember, there's a also be over my place and had rapid tests. I didn't even bother going because I knew there was going to be a lineup around the bend, and there was right. So at the end of the day, you can only give and do as much as you can. It's the same with jabs and arms. You can only give so many vaccines and so many people can disseminate and dispense those that you have physically available to do. They're not withholding things for the sake of withholding it. They're trying to do with what they can with what they have. When you open up a, a, a clinic and say, okay, we're going to have this pop-up clinic that anybody can go, you're going to have 10,000 people go to it um, and, and wait in line, and you're going to have maybe half of them not being able to get it because it's going to run out. That's going to have to happen. Now, you know, is it ideal? No. Should the, should the governments, can, can they do better? For sure. But let's let's understand the circumstances where this variant is different than any other variant we've ever had. And I think governments across Canada are trying to deal with it that is the best they can, given the information that they have. John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, Charles Souza, former Ontario Finance Minister, and Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village, Fightback's Tuesday Strategy Panel. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fightback. I'm Jane Brown. For a lot of people, the holidays can be especially difficult at the best of times. And these are certainly not the best of times. Up until Omicron arrived, everyone who had gotten their COVID vaccines was looking forward to an almost normal Christmas. With this in mind, Fight Back set aside a segment to discuss mental health issues related to this unexpected development in the pandemic. Dr. Steve Jordans is a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, and Marion Cooper is executive director with the Canadian Mental Health Association. Well, it's certainly a statistic that's based on sort of pre-pandemic, but it's definitely um, been uh, confirmed through some of the research and uh, the surveillance that we've been doing across Canada, um, checking in on Canadians and their mental health. So it certainly has continued to be a steady part of the experience of, of struggling with your mental health, and that's been um, definitely um, exacerbated by the pandemic and all of the stress that's been attached to that. So people are worried, people feel anxious, people feel discouraged. And for some people that is uh, um, also, uh, you know, related to a mental health um, a diagnosis such as anxiety disorder. Steve Jordans, what about fatigue? I mean, you know, first of all, there's that aspect that that uh, really we were expecting something else this yep. year. Yep. And then there's just general pandemic fatigue for a lot of people. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I was one of the people on the radio a year ago saying, you know, we have to sacrifice our current Christmas, but make big plans for next year. I said, you know, have the whole family come together. We'll be great by then. Yeah, we're not. And and that is really hard on us uh, intellectually and, and especially emotionally. There's there's this notion called learned helplessness, where if you continue to try to fight something, and especially if you feel like you're actually making headway, um, but then that gets 
pulled away from you, uh, and so all of your attempts, you know, don't lead to success, you can reach a point where you just start feeling like, man, there's not even any sense of trying, and so you can lose what we call that internal locus of control, that sense that you have some control over things and how they'll play out. And and when we start losing that, um, that that's when we start feeling that sort of, you know, less anxiety and more towards a depressive kind of state where we just kind of start feeling like we're giving up, we're exhausted. Uh, and that's, that's actually a, a kind of dangerous place to get to. Uh, so we want to try to fight that as much as we can. And uh, Marion, when that happens, uh, then people, I guess, are less likely to follow the rules. Well, it can happen, and people, I think, feel, um, you know, like they have to balance sort of managing all of the risk associated with, you know, the public health protocols and the physical distancing that we're all asked to, to take care of and to focus on, while at the same time understanding that there's also risks associated with being socially disconnected and away from our friends and family and those we love and the impact it has on your mental health. So it's, it's a very tricky balancing act and, um, Certainly, we don't want people breaking the rules, that there's a collective uh, uh, approach required right now to address the, the pandemic and to keep our ourselves safe, our families, and our communities safe, while at the same time recognizing this is coming at a cost to our mental health, so making decisions that also pay attention to that. And, and if I may say very quickly, Libby, that, that sense of control, I, I think a lot of us feel like we don't have a lot of control over what's happening with the virus, and that's true. But there is an opportunity here that, that I think we're all alluding to that, you know, mental health issues used to be something that other people battled. If you're not feeling anxious now, you're just not paying attention. So it's something we all feel now. It's, it's real to us. We understand what, what mental challenges are. And I think this is a great opportunity, especially in the case of anxiety, to learn how it comes about. It's, it's a basic biological reaction and to learn some techniques and strategies for for kind of managing that state and and to give ourselves a break every now and then um, you know get out of that cortisol flood that comes with anxiety um, and and if we can learn to do that we can become empowered in a different way in the sense that hey okay we can't control the circumstances out there but we can control a little bit how we are reacting to those and that can be another source of empowerment that can get us through this Dr. Steve Jordans, professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, and Marion Cooper, executive director with the Canadian Mental Health Association. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Sam in Toronto phoned about COVID testing for Omicron. Unfortunately, I had a first-hand uh, situation. Like my daughter, she's, uh, you know, around 24, 23, and uh, she, her friend, a friend of her friend, tested positive. She tested negative. And I told her to come home, and we're going to go through procedures at home, even though uh, she, her situation is iffy. I said, come home. 
because they, the more she stays there, she might get actually, uh, you know, the virus from her. Uh, we have to deal with it the best way we can. All these, uh, you know, vaccine deniers, maskers, all these, uh, you know, fringe groups, they should realize that there is no other option. At this point, there is no other option. You got a better option? I listen. The best way is to keep cleaning, keep your mask on, get your vaccine shot, and, you know, carry on until this thing, uh, you know, the result. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week is Sita in Mississauga, who phoned with some sage advice during this holiday season. Talk, smile, and say hello to a stranger, even in the store, the elevator, or on the street. Get ready to do FaceTime dinners. We did that last year, and we survived. Shut off the news if it's getting too much. Oh, thanks a lot. To handle. But switch to some, to some music. So Zoom registration mixes, mixes it up. So you can relax at the same time, and you're not hearing the news constantly. Okay, that was a good save, Sita. (laughs) (laughs) That does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby and call our fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. And even though we're between Christmas and New Year's this coming week, Zoomer Radio News is pleased to offer live fightback programming from Monday to Thursday, followed by my very special look back at the year that was this coming Friday, December 31st, the best of Free For All Friday 2021. I'm Jane Brown, and as always, join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham, executive producer Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.